Okay, ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome to the LSE. My name is Sandy Pepper. I am a professor of management practice in the Department of Management here at the LSE, and it's my uh, honour and privilege to be chairing uh, this evening's meeting. Um, I'm uh, very pleased to be welcoming a very august panel uh, to the LSE, uh, who I will introduce in just a few moments, um, uh, but particularly to introduce uh, my friend and colleague, Rebecca Newton, who is going to be talking to us about authenticity and gravitas and leadership. Um, and uh, she, as has, uh, you know, some of you I can see, holding copies of her very recent, uh, very fine book on this subject, which Rebecca will be signing copies of um, after the event um, if any of you would like to uh, buy a, purchase a copy and uh, get her imprimatur on it, I'm sure she would be pleased to oblige. Um, just a few words of housekeeping. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, if there is a fire alarm, that means there's a fire. Um, please leave in an orderly manner as quickly as possible. Um, secondly, um, if you have mobile phones, could you please make sure they're on silent or turned off? Um, and uh, thirdly, uh, I was going to say something else and I've forgotten completely what it was, but if I remember, I'll come back to it. Um, so let me introduce Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca is an organizational and social psychologist, and she is a senior visiting fellow in the Department of Management here at the LSE, uh, where she was formerly a PhD student before she uh, joined the faculty uh, when I did 10 years ago. Um, she has spent two decades researching and, researching and teaching on leadership, uh, culture, change, collaboration, and management practice. Uh, she has a PhD in organizational psychology, uh, psychology from the LSE. She is a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review and to Forbes. Um, she is also uh, a practitioner. She is CEO of a company called Coach Advisor, um, and she has worked with some very august clients, including the Bank of America, Coca-Cola, Google, HSBC, Microsoft, Nike, and others. Uh, and of particular relevance today, she is the author of a book called Authentic Gravitas. So also uh, joining us this evening, um, and they will come up and sit on the panel after Rebecca has given her talk, um, I'm pleased to welcome Chanel Hall, Shaheen Saeed, and Sean Sinner, um, which all sort of rolls off the tongue like poetry. Um, so um, Chanel was appointed by the UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon as Deputy Executive Director of the United Nations Children Fund, U, uh, UNICEF, um, in June 2006. In addition to her role as part of the executive leadership team of UNICEF, uh, she oversees two of UNICEF's divisions, the Field Results Group and the Supply Division. She previously worked as the director of UNICEF's Supply Division, where she oversaw UNICEF's global supply activities and emergency supply response with an annual expenditure exceeding US dollars 3.4 billion, which is a very large number. Uh, Shaheen uh, Saeed uh, is the Health and Public Service Lead for UK and Ireland at Accenture. A technologist by trade, Shaheen has most recently been at the foremost 
forefront of delivering digital solutions to the financial services industry. She was included in the top 100 influential BAME global leaders by the Financial Times, uh, as well as Cranfield School of Management's 100 Women to Watch in their 2018 list. Uh, Shaheen is also the co-founder of a non-profit organization called Outsiders, which she's just been talking to us about and is uh, very interesting. It's focused on the intersection of youth education and digital technology, about which she is very passionate. Um, uh, Third, and not least, Sean works for Guy Carpenter & Company, the uh, insurance-broking subsidiary of Marsh McClellan. Uh, he, uh, the world's leading professional services firm in the areas of risk, strategy, and people. Um, as head of strategy and client engagement, Sean looks after the strategy and sales functions across the international firm. Before this, he spent nine years at Willis Towers Watson, where at the age of 29, he became the youngest managing director in their 180-year history. He is the trustee of his local church and Compassion UK, which provides sponsorship, education and healthcare to over 100,000 children living in poverty around the world. So I think a round of applause for the panel. Um, uh, uh, This evening is being recorded. There will be a podcast as long as the technology doesn't uh, fall over between now and the time that the podcast would be issued. Um, And I think there is a a video being taken as well, so you might like to be aware of that when you come to ask questions a bit later. Um, So uh, the format for the evening is uh, we're going to hear uh, Rebecca talking about her book, Uh, We'll then invite the panel up um, and uh, we'll have some questions from Rebecca to the panel um, and then we will open the floor to to questions from everybody and I'll say a few words about how we'll run the questions and answer session when we come to it. That's enough from me. Rebecca, over to you. Thank you, Sandy. Okay. Well, hello. Good evening. Everyone. Hi, friends. Um, it is lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome to LSE. Um, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to some people who are in the room tonight um, who supported me a lot on this journey of doing the research um, and bringing out this book, which had I known what was involved... At the beginning when I said yes, I may have said no. (laughs) Um, But there are so many of my friends and family here and my colleagues that have supported me so much and I know how these events go and we'll get um, busy talking about other things. But I just want to start off by saying thank you so much. I think you all know who you are. My team, my LSE colleagues, Sandy might be my favourite person at the LSE. Um, (laughs) The wisest person I know. Um, But my family, my parents here, and my sister and Stefan Laspin, um, as well as my amazing team who definitely did more work for tonight than I did. And to the LSE events team and to the LSE management team who have put this on and made it all happen, thank you very much. So let's talk about... Authenticity, keeping it real. Oh, it is going to work. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) So 15 years ago, um, my first client said to me, Rebecca, do you know what I really need? I need more gravitas. And, 
you know, over the last, well, 15 years since that point in time, as a psychologist and as a coach, I have had the privilege of having leaders and professionals share their most personal goals with me. And time after time, people would say, I need more gravitas. And so I set out on this research journey to um, tackle this somewhat elusive and intangible concept, thinking that um, I wasn't entirely sure what I would find, but I respect the fact that people have a desire to add great value in their workplace, and ultimately that's what they're looking to do, and wanting to be trusted and respected, to have their ideas taken seriously, to have their words carry weight is something that I think is a noble um, desire and so set out to find out what makes someone um, regard, be regarded by other people as having a high degree of gravitas. And one of the things that I thought was particularly interesting and what I want to focus on tonight comes out of the fact that when, we, when they would say this to me, they would whisper. So we'd be talking at a normal, you know, at a, at a normal volume level, and yet when they would say, "I want more gravitas," they would they would actually a lot of the time whisper it. I, I think I need more gravitas, and I wondered why is it that people feel the need to whisper? It's almost as if we think this isn't something that I think I should want. Should I really want this? Is it okay to want to have? more gravitas, to want to be trusted and respected, to want my ideas to be taken seriously. Is it okay to want that? And I think ultimately there's a sense of, I don't want to pretend. They'd say to me, I want more gravitas, but I want to be myself. I don't want to pretend to be someone else. And so what was important to me, and the reason that the book is called Authentic Gravitas, is to help people find ways that they can increase their degree of gravitas and still be themselves. And I think that um, this is such an important part of leadership today, authenticity. Before we kick off, what I want to do is just talk about the way that I think about leadership, um, which this definition I quite like from Gary Uckel, the ability, well, a version of this, the ability to positively influence and facilitate others to achieve collective goals. And the reason I say this is that when we're talking about building gravitas and increasing the extent to which you're adding value and being taken seriously and being able to, ha to make a significant impact, um, that is not about title. I'm not talking about position or hierarchy. And while you know, I believe that we should respect hierarchy. Everyone has the opportunity to influence and to facilitate towards achieving these goals. So I take leadership in this broad sense, not the um, tight hierarchical sense. Um, but this is what I want to think about today and what I want to talk to you about is how can we lead with authenticity? What does that mean? Because I think that authenticity is often misinterpreted and simultaneously, real authenticity matters and makes a difference. So let's be really clear about what authenticity is and what it's not. And let me be... Um, <laughs> well, let me share a story with you. So I had a 360 profile done. You know, I'm a psychologist, we do profiling. I had the opportunity to have a um, profile done on me and I was having some coaching. This was about 10 years ago. <laughs> 
And so I was sitting, I was in America with a coach and he said to me, um, you know, we were talking through various things in my 360 and I said, yeah, I can see all of that, Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he said, Rebecca, the results of your 360 suggest that you're stubborn. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and you smart people laugh now, but it took me years years to realize the irony of my, of my response. I said to him, so my husband's eyebrows just go up and down there. Uh, I said to him, um, really, Chris, my coach, I, I'm just not. So the other things, absolutely, but I'm just not stubborn. And he said, okay. I mean, he's a very gracious man. He said to me, okay, here's what I'd like you to do. When you get back to London, I want you to ask three people who you work with closely to rate you on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest for stubbornness. And I said, absolutely, thinking then I can email Chris and tell him that he was wrong. So I get back to London and I am just going about my day. I'm going into a meeting and I'm with a colleague who I've worked with for a long time. And we're heading into this meeting. It must have been winter because I remember putting on my coats. We're over in Mayfair and putting on my coats, heading over to to this meeting with her. And I said to her, hey, Sarah, um, on a scale of totally out of the blue, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how would you rate me on stubbornness 10? (laughs) There was not a breath between my question and her answer. So, And I was in absolute shock. I in no way saw this coming. And so obviously I had quite a bit of work to do. Um, But the the reason this mattered to me is that this wasn't my intention. So my beliefs about what kind of, and my values and the type of professional and the type of colleague and the type of leader that I want to be is not a bulldozer. It's not someone who's stubborn. You know, we had a lot of conversations afterwards to, for me to understand what it was that was happening. Um, but that, from that point on, I have always been thinking about this, which is the difference between what it is to be natural and what it is to be authentic. And you can see Woody reflecting here on his potential stubbornness. <laughs> um, so natural might be what comes out of our personality. It might come out of what we've seen modelled. It might come out of, and I think a lot of the time, unintentional habits and ways of interacting that we've picked up along the way. That's not necessarily the same as our authentic self. So we're going to have a look at that. Being authentic, I think I've got it here, yeah. Being authentic means authenticity can be thought of as understanding one's real self and acting in congruence with that. So think about that for you. What does that mean for you? It's about being mindful of what you personally really think, what you feel, what you believe, and acting in a way that reflects your values. And none of us do that perfectly all the time. Authenticity, to be authentic, we actually have to be committed to change. Whereas I think the misinterpretation around authenticity is that we can see it as being fixed. There's this true self that I have to be, um, I have to outwork all of the time. But there's a difference. Natural is these unintentional ways of behaving that we've picked up, and authentic is. What do I really value? What do I really believe? What's most important to me? And I I don't think it's just me and my stubbornness. (laughs) 
although maybe this could be something I reflect on in years to come, thinking this is me being stubborn, um, that, ha- that has a gap. You know, we have a gap between our intention and our actual impact, and I believe that to be authentic, we need to be committed to continually changing. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, all right. So um, why does this matter? Why are we talking about, why have you come out on a Thursday night? I think it's Thursday, yes? <laughs> um, why have you come out on a Thursday night to think about authenticity and leadership? It is not enough to think of it as a buzzword or the right thing to do because that will not guide us through the difficult challenges of leadership. Um, I think that authenticity actually drives integrity. I also think there's a lot of confusion between these different terms and we just use them as blanket statements. Integrity, behavioural integrity is doing what you say you're going to do. Authenticity, as we've seen, is being clear about your values and your beliefs and outworking those. And I think that if we are clear about what really matters to us, about about what matters when it comes to leadership, when it comes to us as a professional, if we're clear about those things, we're more likely to say things and to act in ways that are aligned and therefore authenticity fuels integrity. We're more likely to have integrity and to show behavioural integrity when we're clear about our values and beliefs. Authenticity also fuels trust and respect. Think about moments when you've seen in authenticity in a leader. When you see that, it triggers very strong emotional reactions, such as I think it, it often triggers disgust. We almost feel repelled. Yeah. When somebody says these are their values and beliefs and outworks those in a different way, that lack of authenticity actually repels us. It creates very strong emotions for us. Um, And equally, if we are being authentic, I think that even when people disagree with what we're saying, I can still disagree with someone but respect their point of view when I'm seeing that they're outworking their values, which they've been clear about. The other thing that's really interesting is that one of the studies, some of the studies show that authenticity is a strong predictor of well-being. So in an age when leadership is hard, let's be real, (laughs) leading teams and organisations is very difficult and we know the personal challenges that leaders face. Um, Authenticity, being authentic, there are amazing studies that show actually people have greater well-being when they are living in alignment with their values. Here's what I think is interesting that this doesn't just apply at the individual level, I think this applies at an organisational level as well. Organisational authenticity. Do we have organisational authenticity? Thinking about the values, I can see some of my um, clients and friends laughing in the room, maybe you're thinking about that right now as a a topic. Um, Organisational Authenticity. If we're clear about the values and the beliefs as an organisation that we hold and what that looks like at a behavioural level, what will people experience? It's going to drive integrity across the organisation, both internally and externally with clients and customers. 
and I think there's going to be greater organizational health as a result of it. And what's very interesting is at the most senior levels of organizational leadership, I think we are missing the behavioral um, data a lot of the time. That we're seeing, we know what the values are, we have the um, purpose, we have the vision, we have the values, and we get a lot of information and data about the processes and the policies and the numbers, and don't always see what's happening behaviorally, but I think we live in an experiential decision-making age. I think that people make decisions about what they believe is ultimately true based on what they experience of interacting with you and with your teams, with your organization. So it's one thing an organization might say, you know, we're innovative. And my, I call them banner values, you know, it puts it on the wall, we're innovative. <laughs> but then what happens when you as a consumer or a client experience behavior that is not innovative? It, it has such a strong, you have such a, such a negative reaction to that that it almost would have been better to not say it in the first place. So behaviorally, for the leaders of organizations in the room, I think a thing to think about is organizational authenticity. How are we making sure that we are living and breathing the values that we say that we have? All right. And for each of us, regardless of thinking about leadership as about being able to influence regardless of our role, regardless of whether you're a student here and you're just about to start out on your um, professional journey or whether you have been leading for a very long time, I think all of us have a personal responsibility to make sure that we are being authentic in our leadership. So how can we do that? Let's have a look. Um, the first thing, I, I think about this a lot, is our intention. And this is the great question I think that we should all be asking ourselves. What kind of leader do I want to be? You know, I have spent um, close to 20 years running leadership development programs, which I absolutely love. And we talk about this is what leadership is, this is what good leadership does, this is how to develop yourself as a leader. And I think that deciding what kind of leader you want to be can be the missing step to leading well. What kind of leader do you want to be? So practically, how can you do this? Thinking, I think one useful exercise is thinking, okay, if I wanted, um, if I wanted some, how would I want someone to describe me? Okay, so a couple of my friends over here, Matt and Kathy. If, um, hi. <laughs> I, I say this to all my students, never sit in the front row of my class, never. <laughs> okay, so Matt and Kathy are here. And um, say Matt and I have been working together, and Kathy says to Matt, "What's Beck like? What's Rebecca like? What would I want him to say?" I encourage you to do some reflection and to think, "What would I want someone to say about me if they were describing me as a leader?" And we've got to keep this in mind because authenticity isn't this one bold decision that we make one day about our values and beliefs. It's outworking it all day, every day. And I think another key defining moment that can help us to work out what kind of leader we want to be is when we really, really mess up. And for anyone who has led for more than five minutes, you will know what I mean. <laughs> I certainly know for me personally, when I um, have essentially 
I feel like I'm failing at leadership or I've done something that just hasn't worked out the way I intended. That makes me, you know, it gives me an opportunity to reflect, not just what should I have done differently, what could I have done differently, which I think most of us do. But there's also an opportunity there to think, why does this bother me? Because probably the reason it bothers me is that I don't feel that the way that I've behaved or the impact I've had is in line with what I really value and and the kind of leader that I want to be. So in those moments when you feel like you fail as a leader, when you feel like you mess up, this is an opportunity not just to learn but also to reflect what kind of leader do I want to be. I think we have to commit to this. Um, You know, it's a really interesting study that shows reflection, the power of reflection. One study found that people were given an opportunity to either keep experiencing more, keep learning more, keep doing the job, or to spend 15 minutes reflecting at the end of that period. And they were amazed by two things. One is how much better the people who reflected performed rather than those who just kept doing, and how few people chose to spend the time reflecting. So let's make a decision to be people. At the end, you know, this is a daily thing, I think. At the end of the day, on the way home, instead of being on Instagram or whatever, <laughs> um, although I often am and love Instagram, um, but, you know, on the way home, let's carve out a little window thinking, was I the kind of leader I wanted to be today? What could I have done differently? Not just to be more successful, but to be more authentic, to be outworking my values today. Okay, Remembering it does not just have a positive impact for you personally, but for all of those who you lead. Okay, so what kind of leader do I want to be? Your intention. And this is important because there is a gap between our intention and our impact. That's true for all of us. The goal is to minimize the gap, right? Where our intention, think back to my stubbornness story, (laughs) it's not my intention, but um, it's my actual impact. And often we judge ourselves by our intention and other people by their impact. I think that we need to take responsibility for owning our impact and being open to other people's intention. Okay, so the second thing to do is, I think, really commit to feedback. I am a strong believer in feedback. It is not easy to do. Um, I'm, I'm constantly seeing that people who, that, you know, the, the higher we go in leadership, the less feedback we get. Do you notice that? As you go on your leadership journey, you know, when you start out, for the, for the students who are in the room, when you start out on your professional journey, you cannot walk down the corridor to get a cup of coffee without somebody telling you what you should have done differently in those five minutes, right? But the further we go on our leadership journey, the less feedback we naturally get. And the more committed we have to be to genuinely finding out what impact we're having. Because people will also impression manage around us. You know, I was talking with um, one firm about using, um, gathering feedback from across the organization from staff levels, and they're saying they just don't write anything, they don't say anything, because there's, you know, there's pressure and there's all kinds of dynamics going on, and 
let's be leaders who are committed to finding out what impact we're really having. Because we can't minimise the gap if we don't know what the impact really is. So asking, how could I do things differently? How could I be more effective? Okay, the pursuit of feedback. Um, and again, this works at an organisational level as well. So thinking as an organisation, what, what is our mission, what are our values, but what impact are we genuinely having, both internally and externally? This is um, something that is bothering me. <laughs> we have... This, so these are uh, actual social media quotes, and I think we need to be careful as leaders to make sure that we're not over-interpreting messages we're seeing and choosing to not care what people think. Now, nobody has the right to define you, and that's why I ask leaders, what kind of leader do you want to be? Because, you know, obviously it has to align with organisational values. You might be thinking that, well, okay, the organisation says these are the kind of values and behaviours that we hold, um, and I, that's the kind of leader I need to be. Within that, there's a lot of scope, okay? There's a lot of scope for thinking about, for you personally, what kind of leader you want to be. I think this is dangerous. As a leader, I think we absolutely should care what people think. The people who we're responsible for, the people who we're influencing across the organisation, externally, the clients we're impacting. I think we seek client feedback a lot more than we seek genuine internal feedback sometimes. Um, I think as leaders we should care what people think. Not because they're right or they're wrong necessarily, but their point of view matters. So let's not over-interpret these messages around be true to yourself, define yourself, don't let other people shape who you are. All of this is valid and important and powerful, but as leaders, we have a responsibility to care what do they think. What do they think of the impact I'm having on their experience of work? Okay? So let's not... Um, you know, actually, well, while we're talking about authenticity, I think one of my values is transparency. So anyway, I will just be honest with you. So one of my friends who I really respect and is fantastic said to me, okay, Beck, so I was turning 40 and he was a few years older than me, maybe a year. He said, Beck, one of the great things about turning 40 is that you just stop caring what people think. And I thought, and I, I mean, I really clung to that. I was like, this is amazing. You're right. I don't have to care what people think anymore. I know what I think. I know what I do. I'm just going to get on with my life and not worry about it. <laughs> and I really ran with it way too far because that's not what he was suggesting at all. <laughs> he meant you have more of a sense of what matters to you, of what you value, of what you believe, and those things, nobody else gets to define you, I guess is the message he was trying to give me. Um, but let's not think it doesn't matter what people think. Okay. Is this okay? All right, here's what I think. <laughs> Take it if you would like to. Um, I think we can only lead with authenticity when we are clear about the impact that we want to have as a leader and commit to understanding what our actual impact is, so this gap. Then we can minimise the gap, align our intentions and our impact, which fuels trust and respect. We can align our values and beliefs about what kind of leader we want to be 
with the kind of leader we actually are. And this is not a one-off thing. This is not a one-off moment where we suddenly have this magical alignment and I'm suddenly the person I want to be. Um, It is a continued commitment to change. I think that we have to be committed to keep going, to keep changing. And um, what, that, what we need from that, you know, when I did the research on gravitas and on these people who have what is regarded as authentic gravitas and are really living and outworking their values and having this positive influence, driving change, leading the room regardless of their position in it, what is it about them? Because other people, speaking of them, would say they have confidence. And when I went and talked to those people, they said, sure, sometimes I feel confident, but a lot of the time, I'm just choosing courage. And I think this is an important message for people starting out on their professional journey as well. Many of you may know that my first presentation, I hyperventilated, I mean, it was 30 people. So what's that like this? Hyperventilated, was taken to hospital in an ambulance before I even started speaking. (laughs) Because I thought, I don't feel okay. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel confident. I'm not confident to do this. And also, I didn't really understand breathing out. Just took lots of depressant. But anyway... (laughs) People see, for those of you who are established leaders, people see your confidence and they see your ease. And actually, it's useful that sometimes they know that not everything is easy. And sometimes, you know, some of the leaders would describe themselves as as, um, giving themselves a pep talk in the morning. They'd look in the mirror and go, do you know what? Okay, you can do this. This is why. Like having to rally themselves. They don't always feel confident, but they do choose courage. And that takes some of the pressure off. So in those moments when we don't feel the comfort of confidence, I actually think that's a good thing because we are not stretching ourselves and our leadership and our roles if we are always feeling the comfort of confidence. So the next time I remember once, do you know, once I, after um, one set of maternity leave, um, I remember walking back up here. I actually have no sense of direction, so I don't know where here is, but I was walking around Aldwych, and I felt nervous coming in. I was probably speaking in here, actually. Um, I remember thinking, oh, I'm a bit nervous about this new class, and this I've taken some time off, and, and then thought, okay, but this is a good thing. I'm stretching myself. I'm growing here. You know, I still felt extremely ill Um, and luckily didn't hyperventilate managed to do the lecture but let's be people who choose courage over confidence and as leaders let's let other people know that sometimes that's what we're doing all right Um, and I absolutely love this just there's so so much amazing research in the world Um, do you know courage and integrity are two of the strongest predictors of c-suite performance And if that's true for the C-team, it is true for every one of us who is in or who wants to be in leadership. Courage and integrity are predictors of performance, not confidence, not perfection, courage and integrity. And, don't you love this? (laughs) Another study shows that integrity fuels courage. If you are clear 
about your values and what beliefs you have and what kind of leader you want to be and you're, you're sharing that with people, you are more likely to choose courage. So integrity matters, authenticity matters. And authentic leaders continue to change. There is no end point. There is no perfection. It is about, it, it is not about being fixed. This is who I am. As a leader, it's every day reflecting, thinking, what kind of leader do I want to be? Actively seeking feedback for, is there a gap between my intention and my impact? And making a commitment to continually change. And as we do, we as leaders are healthier and our well-being, you know, we are better off personally. The teams that we lead and our organisations overall are stronger. This is why this matters to me. Um, Oh, look, I'm just jumping ahead. Hooray. Um, Anyway, so... I am going to invite my lovely panel to come up. These people are incredible. Please come up. So um, Chanel, Shaheen, and Sean. I really did not have a plan that everyone's name would start with S. This could get tricky. (laughs) Anyway, um, for various reasons. I mean, Sandy read all their bios. I think these people, to me, if I had to, to describe them in two words, these people have authentic gravitas. Okay, they're the real deal, and um, we're going to have a great conversation here. Before I open up to, um, before we open up to the audience, I just wanted to kick off with a few questions. So thanks for coming. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, okay. So question number one: What would you say? What does authenticity mean to you? So as a leader, what does authenticity mean to you? Who wants to take that? Ladies first. Thanks. Evening, everyone. It's a a really great question. I think, and and some of these things are going to sound like cliches, I think, but it's operating in truth. It is the most simplest definition for me of what authenticity (coughs) is in in every single form of of what that means. So it's complete transparency. It's being vulnerable, actually, as a leader, Mm -hmm. and, and being confessional to a huge degree, not destabilizing your team with how vulnerable you're being, but, you know, but being vulnerable enough um, to demonstrate um, that we all come you know, from a place of, of, to some extent, weakness in the way that we lead as well. Right? And I think when you create that connection, you create a huge trust, actually, um, as a leader. And I, and I was just reflecting on what you were saying, Rebecca. I thought one thing was really interesting around that point, just one which thing. is... Just one thing. Just one thing. <laughs> no, many things. But, but one thing that really stood out... Can you hear me? I'll speak into this. Um, which is that point around confidence in, in leaders and, and even the most confident leaders I've ever met, and I, I was very fortunate to meet Obama, actually. But watching them speak on stage and watching him speak on stage, and I've seen a theme in this, um, which is every confident leader that comes off stage, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, will always turn to their advisor or someone that they trust and say, was that okay? Without... Just, just watch it. It's, it's, it's honestly true. It's so, it's so fascinating, and, and, and yet you're kind of in awe of these amazing people. And they're like, "Was that okay?" Yeah. Um, uh, so I think it is being stripped down, actually, in terms of how much you can operate with that sense mm. of, of, of truth and honesty that then creates that trust, mm. um, and bringing everything that you are, your own <clears throat> private narrative, and how you grew up, and who you, you know, and everything that that means, right? For, for each of us, it'll be really different things into your place of work um, that then defines the way that you make some of the decisions that you make and how you communicate, right? Mm, Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
Anyone else want to touch on that? Yes, no? Sure. Um, I, I like what you said about um, that we each need to be ourselves. So I, I definitely know that working alongside people and being with people who are a little bit uncomfortable in their skin because they're trying to be um, maybe someone that they admire or um, yeah, take on personalities that they think they should be, yeah. they think they should be funny, yeah. whatever it might be. So I think somehow someone who is, we all need to be relaxed that we are, um, there is a part of us and, and, and other people are more relaxed if we're a little bit relaxed in ourselves. And, and in terms of the authenticity, um, but in your book, you talked about content and experience. And I think authentic leaders um, have content. I think we, we really have to put that on the table. So if you're in a, in a position, and if you, even if you don't know it all, that you, that you're, you, you study it, you, yeah. you learn it, you're curious, you inquire. Yeah. I think that is super important because people want to work alongside someone who is interested in what they're mm. leading in terms of the, of the content. And then on the experience... Uh, for me, this was a revelation because in, I think growing up, I'd, we'd never really talked about how people experience you matters as much, if not more, than your content, how what you bring uh, and what you um, yeah what you bring to the table. And of course, in there is is, is trust and, and vulnerability, which is basically comprised of small moments every day. Mm, so how yeah. you interact with people in the small moments um, really is what builds um, builds. Uh, trust and, and vulnerability. Um, I think courage is very important, and I would add moral courage. Um, the more um, the more you um, elevate in a in a hierarchy, the more responsibility I think that one has to have moral courage, which means I'm um, speaking out on on things and speaking up, um, which is not not easy. But I know that uh, my colleagues. Um, uh, expect that from me, and um, because they maybe have more at risk. I think I have a lot at risk if I speak up as well against things or for things that may not be, um, uh, yeah, may not be what people want to hear. But I think the moral courage to, the, to that is important. And then lastly, I, uh, um, the alignment. Um, I think it is so important. When I had my first 360, I had never considered what kind of leader I want to be. What do I want people to say? About me, and it certainly wasn't all that was in in that feedback. Um, and just checking your alignment with your values and who you want to be is is super super hard. But but really, yeah, it is hard as well. Like I think it's often hard in the busyness, like when you have this job and these massive responsibilities. And I think that one of the challenges with authenticity is to be authentic and, and living out your values through the busyness and through the hard times. It's, you know, it's not easy, but it's worth it and important. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree. I think one of the important things about the self-reflection, you know, the, the important thing about the self-reflection is because, you know, as everyone goes through their own journey, um, you know, you, you sort of drift away from what you want that authentic you to be. Mm. And I think the self-reflection just helps you sort of you know, get on the straight and narrow, I mean, you know, if you know what I mean there, but just helps you refocus, course correct, all of that good stuff. Mm. Um, you know, for, for me, authenticity, it, it's hard to sort of describe without descending into cliches, right? But I think it was, 
some American president or something said, you know, the three hardest things in the human um, in the world are is steel, diamonds, and the ability to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that a lot of people sort of spend a lot of time trying to figure out what they are, who they are, which I think is yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but then I think you've got to align that to well, I get up in the morning and I go do something. Uh, whether that's for me, it's a job in the city. Um, you know, for Chanel, it's you know, with UNICEF, how do you align? Um, you know your authentic self to what you're doing, and how do you do things out of that? Yeah. That to me is yeah. what's awesome. interesting. Amazing.